Amen. Please be seated. Church, we're really blessed to have Pastor Andrew coming to share God's Word with us this morning. And so I'd love it if you could make Andrew feel really, really welcome as he comes to share with us now. Very good. Oh, it's been a full-on morning um, already, hasn't it? Um, giving thanks for the freedoms we have in this country. I think that's one of the first things that comes to mind for me. Any Anzac Day is um, thanking God uh, for the freedom that we have in this nation. And many wars have been fought because or for the sake of freedom. Even if we think of World War II and think of the state in Germany at the time and the oppression that was uh, upon, uh, whether it be Jews or many other minorities at that time, uh, impacting their education, their business, their ability even to, to marry or have citizenship, and then culminating in the, the Holocaust there. It was a fight for freedom. I read just uh, this week, World War II has been described as one of the most epic struggles for freedom and liberation in history. And as I thought about that, I thought, well, as we're looking at the scriptures today, that I think it's quite appropriate that we look at the topic of freedom. Because if we look at the scriptures and we look at who Jesus is and why Jesus came to this earth, we soon find that it is for freedom. Jesus came to set the captives free. Uh, in Luke 4, 18, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. This is why Jesus came, to give freedom. In John 8, 36, we read it again. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. What, what sort of freedom did Jesus come to bring? Well, we know it wasn't a political freedom. It wasn't a government that he was coming to set up here in, on earth. It wasn't a physical um, boundaries or breaking out of that. It was a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual freedom that Jesus was coming to bring. And Jesus was coming to bring a freedom in each one of our hearts, a spiritual freedom in each one of our hearts. And I wanna look at this topic this morning. And as I was reflecting, I often think if we're gonna look at freedom, it's often really helpful to look at what it's like to be trapped. And I was thinking of just different moments in my life when I've been trapped. Um, I went to a boarding school and in year 12, um, there was one Saturday morning, um, all of our, the whole boarding house, the whole school actually goes to sporting events and they all, if you're not playing, you're supporting the sporting teams. And so the, the boarding house is empty and I was on the last bus, I was having my shower uh, ready to go myself and then as I finished my shower, leaving the bathroom, I just reached to the doorknob and realised that it had somehow broken between when I closed it and when I wanted to go. I realised I was pretty stuck. And not only that, I was on the third floor of this boarding house and there is only one window, just a tiny sort of window, like a, a slat that you could look out of. And I jimmied myself up to see if there was any way out this window, knowing there's no one in this boarding house. I, I looked down, I said, is there any way I could get out this window and somehow scale down these three floors to the ground? That was another option. And my third option, which I tried, 
persistently is, is it possible to yell out this window and hail down a car that is driving along Harry Street to let them know I'm stuck in this boarding house. Otherwise, I'm going to be here for a long time. I was trapped, and it didn't matter where I went, whether I went to the doorknob, I went there, couldn't get out there. I went to the window, I tried a number of ways to get out, but I couldn't get out. Sometimes in our spirits, sometimes spiritually in life, we can feel trapped. It seems like there's no way out. But Jesus says he's come to bring freedom. I thought of another moment where I wasn't necessarily trapped, but I was hindered. Uh, I, I played a lot of sport and was playing soccer in the semi-final and was running quite freely. And then all of a sudden I tore a muscle in my leg. And all of a sudden I had no freedom, no power. I just could not run. I, I went off the field. I stretched. I did all sorts of things to try and get it right and went back on the field. I just could not run. I don't know if you've ever either torn a hamstring or a groin injury, but you cannot run as much as you want to run. You cannot run. And similarly, in life, we can feel inhibited, that we just don't have the freedom that we would want. But Jesus says, I've come to set the captives free. And I want to look at that topic today, and we look at the topic of, or the, the passage in Galatians 5. I'm just going to read a little bit here, verse 1 to 6, and then 11 to, to 12. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set, you free, set, free, set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then 11 and 12 says, Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And for those agitators, I wish they could go the whole way and emasculate themselves, Paul writes. So here we have in the context here is Paul is teaching the Galatians and he's talking about circumcision. And it's a very serious warning he's saying here. He is agitated. He is angry. He's doing all that he can to tell them, do not fall back into slavery. He's angry. It's like he even says, I'd hope they would emasculate themselves. He's full on in what he's saying here. And in the midst of it, he says, stand firm. And, and that, that wording there, stand firm, is actually an, a military term. It is saying, stay alert, be strong, resist attack. Because Paul is warning them that they can go back into slavery. I mean, if it's not possible for them to go back into slavery, he wouldn't be warning them. He says, you've been set free, but be aware, you can easily go back to slavery. And he's saying, no, don't do that, stand firm. And the first reason he is saying that you can go back into slavery is by following rules and religion or following the law. And Paul says here, mark my words. Paul, I, I, Paul, I Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value at all 
Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Now, what does that mean? Look, I know that not many of you out there are being tempted to go and be circumcised. It's not the same in our culture. But it's a very, very important point that he is making here. He's saying, in the Jewish religion, if you are circumcised, that is a ritual to make you right with God or to be accepted by God. And while we don't have that in our society today, there is a belief that if I do these things, if I'm a good enough person, if I continue to tick the boxes, then God will love me, then God will accept me. And Paul is, he is so determined to say we have been set free from that, totally set free from that. Do not work on human performance of obeying laws to get right with God. He has set us free. Don't go back into slavery. If I can just uh, describe this in another way, in here it's speaking in this passage about justification, being made right with God. And there was a lecturer who, who uh, said to his class, um, if you are here and you think that oh, you are as righteous as I am, put up your hand. And a number of the class put up their hand. They were very brave, they were saying, yes, we're as righteous as you. He then went on to say, if you think you're as righteous as Mother Teresa, uh, keep your hand up. And a number of the hands went down. There's only a small number of people that thought they were as righteous as Mother Teresa. And then finally he said, if you think you are as righteous as Jesus, leave your hand up. And all the hands come down. And I wonder here this morning, would your hand be up or would your hand be down? Are you as righteous as Jesus? Well, the good news of justification, when I first heard this term, it was described to me that we would be seen by God as just as if I had never sinned. Like our sin is taken away in Jesus. But that is only half the picture. The good news of Jesus is that not only does he take our sin, but he gives us his righteousness. The great exchange is he takes our sin and we receive his righteousness. That we are clothed in his righteousness. That God looks at us and sees that we have the full righteousness of Christ. So it's not just that we've been forgiven. But now as God looks at us, as he sees us, he sees us as if we have always obeyed. That is the place that we have in Jesus. That is our standing. In Ephesians 5, 27, it says, in Jesus we're made holy, we are cleansed. We are a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but we're seen as holy and blameless. This is the incredible news of Jesus. If you're coming to church today and you're wondering, what does a Christian believe? Why is Jesus so important? Well, this is the reason. Because when Jesus came and died for our sin and when he rose again, as we put our faith in him, our sin is taken and we have the righteousness of God. We are blameless in God's sight. We can have relationship with God. That is the place of a Christian. And Paul is saying, in this position, you are free. 
And he's saying, don't go back into a life where you are wanting to do lots of things to please God, to earn favor or to earn acceptance. And I wonder if, uh, as I mention this, that God would see you as holy and blameless, whether you feel comfortable with that or uncomfortable. Do, do you go up and down in your Christian life according to performance? When we tick all of the boxes, then we feel like we're close to God. Or if we don't tick all the boxes, we feel far from God. Can you see in that instance that we are trusting in what we do and not what Christ does? And Paul is saying here, don't fall back into that way of living. Live out of the freedom that you have in Christ. Relying on our own performance will only lead to um, tiredness and weariness and a burden, but he has given us freedom. Live out of that freedom, Paul says. So he says, stand firm in that freedom. And when when someone has won freedom, or if you even see it in a nation that has had freedom, uh, won for it, there's the next step is what do you do with that freedom? Paul says the first thing, don't go back to the Lord. Don't go back trying to live and please God by all your performance. But then he says also, Don't use that freedom to do whatever you want according to the flesh. Let me just read that in uh, Galatians 5, 13 to 18. He writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use this freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And then in verse 16, it says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So so he's saying here, Jesus has won, you're free. You're fully forgiven, you're fully right with God. Now, as you do that, don't go back to trying to please, please God by all this performance. But on the other side, don't swing the other way and go, well, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. Because Paul is saying here is, it'll just lead to great slavery. Don't go and fulfill uh, the desires of the flesh. Now, what is flesh here? What's it talking about? Well, it's not the flesh, like, flesh and bones that maybe you can see. The flesh in the scripture talks about the inner man or the inner um, heart we have to do things our own way, our own desires. In Romans 8, it speaks about the, the flesh being hostile to God. It does not want to submit. It's that place in our heart, and I know I can recognize it, maybe you can as well, that does not want to do what is right, does not want to do what God wants. It just wants to do its own thing. And sadly, when we become a Christian, I wish it wasn't the case, but we don't immediately come to Christ, have forgiveness, and then all of a sudden these desires, these fleshly desires, are not just immediately taken from us. Within us, and what we read in this passage, is a battle or a conflict between two natures that live within us. The nature of the flesh and the nature of the spirit. Paul speaks about this in Romans 7. He says, For in my inner being, I I delight in God's law. I wonder if you recognize that. I, I really want to please God. I want to do the right thing. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind 
and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me, he's saying. There's also this other nature that's working against me, that's holding me captive or prisoner, he says, that's within me. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death, this wrestle? And I want to say this morning, if you have that wrestle within your life, if you are a Christian and you are finding it so hard to do what pleases God, but you see this other a nature at work in you, that that is normal. <laughs> this is the biblical Christian life. Unfortunately, there is always going to be a battle this side of heaven. Don't feel that you're a failure. Don't feel like there's something wrong. There is always gonna be a battle. But what Paul is saying is don't follow the way of that flesh. Actually, he says, crucify that fleshly nature. Put that nature to death. He says, um, the acts of the flesh, sorry, he says um, in, in Titus 3, it says, at once we were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all sorts of passions and pleasures. So he's saying, don't go the way of the flesh because you'll find you'll only be enslaved in another way. It just leads to enslavery. And then he goes on to speak about the different acts of the flesh if we allow that fleshly nature to, to rule in our lives. It says it'll lead to sexual immorality, to impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envies, drunkenness, orgies and the like. This is where that nature will take us and it'll take us to, to being bound or captive to these things. And, and a study of our own lives or, or humanity will show that these behaviors become, where they say, uh, addictive or they can captivate us. They can hold or bind our hearts. They can be so powerful. It's like a, it's a living thing, this nature, the sinful nature within us. And we need to be very careful. Again, he says, stand firm, be alert. You know, in a sexualized world, we have to be very careful of the fleshly enticement within us towards these behaviors, adultery, pornography, these type of acts of the flesh that will lead to enslavery. Idolatry, things that are placed in a highest place above God, maybe not carved idols, no, not those type of idols, but those things that become so important in our life that we become enslaved to them. Relational sins, he, he says there, the envy, the divisions, the hatreds, rage, these things that can take a nature of their own, selfish ambition in our lives. Alcohol, drunkenness, these type of things only lead to enslavery. It's just a counterfeit of the joy that we can find in him. And Paul is saying, just as, as a pastor loving and caring for the church there in Galatians, don't don't walk according to the flesh, but crucify that fleshly nature. Galatians 5, 24 to 25 says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, crucified that old nature. In, in Romans 8, it says, um, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So again, there's these two natures at work in us. And I want to encourage us here today by that word, by the Spirit. If we try and fight the flesh or the sinful nature in our own strength, we will never, ever win. We'll never find freedom. 
But the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the good news of Jesus, not only has he set us free, not only is Paul saying, don't go back to the law, not only is he saying, don't go and fulfill the desires of the flesh, but he says there's a new way, there's a way that lives to free, uh, leads to freedom, which is the way of the Spirit. The Spirit of God that lives in us, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, living in us, leading to freedom in our lives. There's a story of a, an Indian chief who was with his grandson and he was speaking to his grandson about the human heart. And he said, my son, there's a, a battle in everyone's heart between two wolves that's inside of us. One is evil, which is anger, jealousy, regret, greed, arrogance, guilt, resentment, inferiority, superiority, and ego, he said. And on the other one, or the other wolf, is good, which is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the grandson thought about this for a moment and then he asked his grandfather, the chief, and said, which one wins? And the old chief simply replied, the one that you feed. And in this battle where we have two spiritual natures within us, there's a decision we make to put one to death but to feed the life of the spirit in our lives. That the Spirit of God, as we read His Word, as we pray, as we listen to His voice, will lead us into freedom. For me personally, knowing what is right and wrong is not often the issue. Actually bringing myself under the leading of the Holy Spirit and obeying the Holy Spirit is often the harder thing, is the issue. And often we know what is right and is wrong, but it's taking that time to choose God, to choose his way, to trust him in those moments and allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives. In Romans 8, it speaks about our mind being governed by the Holy Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. If we feed that it's like that illustration, the, the, the wolf will grow, it will grow in power if we feed it, if our minds are set on that. But it says, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed or led by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit will lead to life and peace. So the Spirit-filled life or the way to freedom is being led by the Holy Spirit, God's presence in us. As we follow and as we walk with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be shown in our life. As shown in this passage to be love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I want us to notice this morning, it is not the fruit of Andrew. It is not the fruit of you. It is the fruit of the Spirit. And be encouraged this morning, if the Spirit of God is living in you, that Spirit will produce the fruit in our lives, the Holy Spirit in us. And a couple of things I want to mention about that that hopefully will encourage you. The first one won't sound like encouragement, first up. That the Spirit growing fruit, fruit in our life is gradual. It's not immediate. I wish that I could come and just pray and ask God to build character or the fruit of the Spirit in my life in an instant. It doesn't happen that way. It is, is most often gradual. 
Uh, I grew up on a farm and we uh, had plums, apricots, pears, and I've never ever gone to a fruit tree, looked at a piece of fruit and seen that fruit grow. I've never done that. Never have I seen it, like before my eyes grow. But I have gone to an orchard, I've looked at um, plums that might have been the size of a uh, a five cent piece and if I go back in a few weeks time or uh, uh, maybe a month's time that they are about this size over a period of time fruit will develop and I want to encourage you fruit as you obey the Holy Spirit as you walk with the Holy Spirit the fruit will come but don't be impatient in that process don't be discouraged in that process maybe if you look back two years time you will see God's fruit in your life and how far he's brought you but it's not an immediate thing. And the second thing I want to encourage you about the Spirit is the power of the Spirit, or the power, the power of a seed that is planted. There's a story of a preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, who was traveling through Italy. And he went past this graveyard and he saw this massive um, gravestone with a massive piece of marble there on top that had been there for hundreds of years of a very rich, wealthy businessman at the time. But as that grave was laid, an acorn seed fell into the grave hundreds of years ago. And as you would compare this massive piece of marble with a tiny acorn seed, you would wonder what power would be in that acorn seed. But over a period of hundreds of years, that acorn grew and it came up through the through the the ground and began to grow this little acorn that became a massive oak tree by the time G. Campbell Morgan saw this tree. And what had happened is this tree had grown up and actually broken the marble and grown up in between it. What I'm saying here is there's incredible, if there's that much power in biological life that is in a seed, this is what Chesterton, uh, sorry, Campbell said to himself. He said, if there is that much biological life and power in that seed, how much more power has been planted in me through the Holy Spirit? That God is able to change my heart, to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life as I continue to yield to Him. I want you to be encouraged this morning. If you've received Christ and if He's living within you through the Holy Spirit, God will bring out that Spirit. He will bring out the fruit of that Spirit. And this morning, just as I wrap up, I just had this sense and I just want to pray for people this morning that you've done this journey so long that you've nearly given up on freedom. You've nearly even won it in this battle that, that could you ever win? Could you ever have freedom? And you may have even given up. Maybe uh, your walk with God has been so much about rules and regulations and keeping the law that it's been so weary, you become burdened, and there's no freedom. Well, I want to say Christ has come to set the captives free. There's freedom in Jesus. I heard this very sad story of a a 14 year old boy who has been in juvenile detention 24 times in just his short life a person sharing the story said this 14 year old boy had set up his bed he'd made his own clothes he'd set up his place to be home in the middle of detention this person was saying 
he, became, he had become so comfortable living in captivity. And I wonder sometimes in our own Christian life, we can become comfortable in captivity, not experiencing the freedom and the life that Jesus has come to bring. And this morning, Jesus wants to remind us, He has come to set the captives free. If, if this morning, whether here or even online, if you are hearing the good news of Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've never understood it for whatever reason, what it's all about. And this morning you've heard that Jesus not only forgives your sin, but He gives you the righteousness of Christ, that God sees you as perfect and blameless, that you might know Him and have life in Him. If you've understood that for the first time this morning and you want to put your faith in Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. It is the best news ever. It is the best news ever that Jesus has come and He's done that for us. It's not about you. It's not about what you've ever done or you ever will do. It's about whether you are choosing to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? And I do want to just extend that invitation that the good news is so good. How could I not? And if there are people here this morning, maybe listening online that you actually don't know if you are right with God. That if you were to die tonight, tomorrow, whenever it might be, you're not sure that you're right with God. And that might be because you're wondering, are you good enough? Have you done enough? Well, this morning I want to tell you that it's only trusting in Jesus that makes you right with God. And if you've never, ever done that, I want, I, want you, I want to invite you now to pray a prayer where you are trusting in Jesus, trusting your life into His hands. And the good news is that you can receive forgiveness, you can receive His, receive His righteousness, relationship with God and new life right this moment. If you make a decision to turn to Him and put your trust in Him. Maybe you want to pray in your own heart now with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for washing me of all of my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that now I can receive your righteousness, the great exchange that takes place. Help me to trust you. Help me to live according to your spirit that I might have new life and freedom. In Jesus' name. And just to pray for others as well. I want to encourage you, if, if you feel burdened, you feel powerless, you feel inhibited in your relationship with God in, in any way, that it, just in a moment, there is forgiveness. Just turning to Jesus, just saying sorry. Even now in your heart, you can do that. Just say, sorry, Jesus. I turn back to you. I want to find my life in you. Forgive me for walking in the ways of the flesh. Lord Jesus, you have come to set the captives free. Maybe you want to say, God, come, set me free that I might live in the power of the Spirit. Today, Jesus, I want to come under the governance of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to walk by the Spirit. 
And even this morning, have newness of life, walking in that. Walking with Him that the fruit of the Spirit might be evident in your life over time. But Lord, we can't do it ourselves. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit we confess our need to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you be standing? We're gonna continue to worship and there's an incredible song that speaks about freedom, that he is one freedom, that we can stand as children of God in his presence. Would you worship with us as we finish service? the Spirit of God speaking to you this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning to act on that. 
If you're here this morning and you want some prayer, some of our prayer to me down the front of the close of this service, I'd just love to pray for you. Pray that you'll know a greater sense of freedom they experience in your life. If you've never, never ever come to that point of saying yes to Jesus and knowing that freedom in your life, as Andrew led that prayer, he said, yeah, that was me this morning. I really want to encourage you to come, grab one of these Bible packs. It's got some information there, a Bible to help you on your journey. They're free. We just want to give that to you. If you came with someone, say, hey, I want to get one. Just come down the front here. The best decision you can ever make our Saviour who came to bring us freedom and life. Let me pray as we close our service. Lord, we thank You for our time together. Thank You for Your presence with us by Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for the hope that is found in You, freedom and life. Lord, this is why You came. So we give You thanks this morning and I pray Your blessing on each one here, online as well. I pray we ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Thanks so much for sharing with us this morning for our special services. Why don't we put our hands together one more time to thank those who have helped us this morning. What a blessing it's been. Don't forget our 4 p.m. service, 6 p.m. service online as well. God bless you and we look forward to sharing with you again soon.